Hello, and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. A few weeks ago, I was invited to visit the Seychelles for their annual international carnival. Having never been there before, I had no idea what their drink of choice might be. So I literally Googled Seychelles cocktails. To my surprise, I found that a Mr. Flavien Joubert had written a book with that exact title. When he agreed to meet me for a chat, I had no idea that we had a common link, and that was Cyprus. My personal drinking partner for the last 10 years has been a Cypriot, so I know the country and its history quite well. How he got from a refugee camp in Nicosia back to slinging cocktails is one incredible story. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I was in the uh, secondary school here in the Seychelles, you know, doing uh, all my uh, academic uh, subjects. My dad, uh, who, is a, who was an army officer at the time, and my mom, who was working in Saudi Arabia, they were never satisfied with the results that we used to bring home from school. <laughs> so, uh, every time we used to bring our reports from school, my dad and my mom used to actually tell us, this is not good enough, this is not good enough, this is not good enough. So one day, I was reading the newspaper, and I saw that uh, Cyprus, the government of Cyprus, were offering uh, courses for young uh, students from the Seychelles, because uh, President Makarios was actually exiled here in the Seychelles. I think it was... Uh, within so he was already his, here, right? No, no, he, he was here, but of course he had left. You know? Okay, right. And I think in return, he just wanted to give something right. uh, in return. So there were three scholarships, uh-huh. you know, to study at the, uh, the hotel and tourism school in, in Nicosia, in Cyprus. Right. So I didn't tell my mom and my, ba- and my dad anything because I wanted to show them that I was good. Of course. You see? So I applied uh-huh. uh, for the scholarships and I went for the interview and I was accepted. It was only when I was accepted that I told my mom and my dad that I was going to leave Seychelles very soon at the age of 16 years old. Were they just, I mean, it's from one island to all, literally across uh, the world. Exactly, at that's 15. right. At, uh, yeah, that's right. 15 well, well 15 going to 16, yes. that's right. Yeah. So my mom and my dad actually uh, realized that, oh, but this guy is good after all, uh-huh. you know? So because uh, we, are, we are seven in the family, oh, so we all got together and said, but how did you do it? How did you do it? I said, honestly, I don't know. But I applied and I went for the interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, there were 250 students who applied only for three scholarships. So I got in. It's meant to be. Exactly. So I left Seychelles in my first long trousers. I had never worn a long trouser in my life before I left Seychelles. Did you think the weather was going to be exactly the same? You thought island, island? No, actually, what, actually what, what I did, because at that time there was no internet. Right. So I went to the library, of course, and I read a lot about, about Cyprus, about mm-hmm. Greece, Turkey, and all the, the surrounding countries. So I knew uh, exactly what I was going to, to, to find when I, get, uh, when I get to Cyprus. So what happened during those times, when you leave home, the whole village comes to the airport with you. 
Where were you living here? Were you uh, in Victoria? I was living in Montfleury, Montfleury, which is okay. next to, to Victoria. Okay. So uh, when I left Seychelles, I think there were about 50 to 60 people at the airport to see me off. Oh my gosh, I love you know? that. Uh-huh. And uh, because, because this was a trend in the old days because I was, uh-huh. I'm the boy from the village right. being accepted for a novice scholarship, you know. And during those days, it was not a question of uh, you get the scholarship because, because, because you go for the interview, like I said, you know. Right. So, but anyway, uh, I, I went to Cyprus. When I, when, I, when I arrived in Cyprus, it was in a boarding school. Uh, in Nicosia, mm-hmm. and uh, do of you course, remember the name of it? Uh, it was a uh, Nicosia Hotel and Tourism. Okay. In- hotel and Hotel and Tourism Institute in Nicosia. Does it still exist? Do you know? It must be. Yeah, uh-huh. must be. Yeah, must be. And uh, when I arrived there, then they told me well, it, it is uh, a boarding school, uh, beautiful, very uh, clean, uh, luxurious, you know, and. Uh, we had to wear a, a suit every day, so they gave me a couple of suits every day, and I felt so proud because you could not go for breakfast or lunch or dinner because there was a restaurant, and all the students used to stay at the school, and go for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the restaurant and and being served, you know, like a five star right. restaurant, uh-huh. and you have to know how to use all the crockeries and cutleries. Yeah. But before I left Seychelles, my mom and my dad gave me a, you know, a, a, little, lesson. a, a little lesson about that. So I was fine. Mm-hmm. But then uh, the discipline as well was very, very good. It was like an army. You Obviously know? everything was in English. Yeah, yeah, everything was in English, right. of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. And then, but of course there, they used to teach uh, French, uh, German, of course, Greek as well, right. and Spanish. Okay, but everything, uh, of course, uh-huh. uh, was in English. And actually, uh, after, after I had been there for about a year, and I was sent uh, to Famagusta right. for, the, uh, for the internship, uh, this is when actually the war started. There was a coup d'etat before, mm-hmm. and then I think... So, uh, 1974. Uh, that's right, yeah. Right. And then, I don't know what really happened, then we heard that the Turkish uh, was going to invade Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And actually, in Famagusta, where I was living, the, the, there is a Turkish uh, population in Famagusta. And Famagusta in, in, in Cyprus now is still a ghost town. Right. Yeah? I know. So they attacked Famagusta. They attacked, uh, I think, uh, the other places like uh, Kyrenia or some other places in the sea. But I was stuck in the, in the hotel because everybody escaped. Right. And uh, the British government, actually, uh, they wanted to take me out as well. And I said, no, I want to stay with my friends. And then what happened? My friends said, well... We need to escape because were the uh, friends both Greek and Turkish. Uh, Turkish, that's both. right. Uh-huh. So they said, "Look, we, we we need to go. We need to find a way out." Right. So I said, "Well, I will come with you." Then they said, "No, no, you cannot come with me because we are going to be drafted in our different right. armies, and very soon we are going to start shooting at each other." So uh-huh. who are you going to? You going to shoot whom? The Turks or the Greeks? Because you are friends. Right. You know. So I said, "Okay." Uh, I got in touch with the Red Cross because they were going around to see if there were clients still staying in the hotels. So the Red Cross uh, got the, the British Army uh, to come and pick me up. So I was taken to uh, many uh, uh, how you call it? refugee camps. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in, in, in different refugee camps. And uh, there it was... How, yeah, no, your no, parents no, must have been so scared. Because at that because time... There was no email. It was no like, email, no email, yeah, no telephone, yeah. nothing. So my parents tried to... to well, the, the, the Seychelles government tried to find out where I was. But then, uh, because at that time, Nicosia was also under threat, you know. So right. there was uh, a lot of uh, anxiety, a lot of sadness, you know. And, uh, I mean, really... 
Yeah, so my boyfriend was really yeah. lucky. He just happened to be in Paphos when they there entered into Nicosia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but he still has bullet holes in All his right. house. Okay, from when yeah, it happened. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. his mother's family was from Kyrenia. Kyrenia, so yeah. So they had to literally leave in a day. Exactly. And yeah. it's, yeah. you know, it's so sad. And it's still divided. Still divided, last that's divided. right. So yeah. Nicosia, last divided capital in there Europe. There you are, yeah. yeah. And in the refugee camps, it was very bad because yeah. How uh, long were you in refugee uh, I was camp? Uh, in the refugee camp for about, uh, I think, a couple of months. Okay. Yeah. And because I had to move, we moved from, from refugee, uh -huh. refugee camp to refugee camps. And uh, I saw a lot of people uh, who were very sick, uh, people who died, you mm -hmm. know. And I mean, of course, certain, I think they were sick before, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, was, there was no sanitation, there were no toilets, you know. And there was no food. What a for you know? such a young boy. But uh -huh. the thing is, the thing is, um, 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 I mean, this is not a joke, but this yeah. is a truth. Because in Seychelles, you know, I come from a poor family, all right? And we are seven in the family. Right. So when they ask me, in Cyprus, when I was in a refugee camp, why is it that you are not suffering? I was losing weight. I was losing weight. Mm -hmm. But I was not suffering. Because I grew up in Seychelles, in a big, poor family. So I was already a refugee in my country. You know, you know? Yeah. So I used to tell them, I said, look, I said, I was a refugee at home. Right, it wasn't as if you went from rich, rich. That's right, yeah, yeah. To refugee yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, was, yeah. Because at yeah. home, at that time, we had a fish. You had to share it with seven seven kids. Right. So sometimes you don't have the fish. Right. You have only the water and the rice. Right. You have some people. You know. You know. So so the, the, the in when I was a refugee, it made me realize that I had a good. I was brought up very well. You were trained. I was trained. You were trained yeah. already. Because to share and yeah, divide. Because, and yeah. Psychologically, I was not affected. Right. Because I, I I said look I said if I don't get some food today so so what. You know, so what? Maybe I'll get it tomorrow. But I was losing weight, but I, I never lost hope, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, even, uh, for, the, for example, like the toilets, you know? There were no toilets, you know? There, there were big trenches, you know? So you just go and, and squat yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you sit down, somebody comes and, oh, hi, hi, how are you? Nice day, <laughs> you know? But to me, it did not affect me because at that time in Seychelles, we were using pit latrine. Right. You know, these big holes. And, and so, so... It all came back to me and said, right. but Flav, this is reality, right. you know, but my friends, all the other people, they were really suffering. Mm -hmm. And in the refugee camp, you know, I became a star because I used to tell stories every night because there was nothing to do. No television, no radio. So I used to tell them stories about Seychelles. I used to, to make jokes, uh -huh. you know, and, and, and actually I was a star in the refugee camp, you know. And then I think this is what, this is what caught the eye of the British Army. Because one British officer came to see me one day and he said, you are very popular. Where do you come from? So when I start talking about Seychelles, he said, but we didn't know. I said, of course you don't know because I'm part of the re right. refugees. So he said, look, you will need to meet uh, the, the, the people from the uh, Amnesty International. So they came. They said, but what are you doing here? You're far away from home. How did you get here? So now I started telling them about how I got right, right. To, to Cyprus. So they said, okay, we're going to start making arrangements for you to be evacuated to London. Okay. And it took a long time, of course, you know, because they had to get all the papers. Right. Then I was put on one of these big uh, Air Force uh, jets and I was taken to Bryce Norton uh, in London. Mm -hmm. And these people were very nice to me. I arrived in Bryce Norton in London and they said, look, uh, we're going to send you back home to the Seychelles. I said, I can't. I said, 
my family is very poor. I got a scholarship to study. I want to make something in life for myself and my family. Please don't send me back home. Mm-hmm. So they said, what are, we going to, what are we going to do with you? I said, I don't know. You, you need to, 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 to let me know. Right. So the British government gave me a scholarship to study at the Brighton College of Technology uh-huh. at that time because I had a sister who was living in Brighton, okay. but she didn't know. She didn't know I was, uh, I was still alive. Oh, so from Bryce Norton in London. So did your whole family think that you? That's right. Yeah, they they had lost hope because right. you know because the war, the bombardment, and uh-huh. everything. What they heard, but oh, gosh, when she got that call, look, I kind of cried. No, the, no, no, there was no call. No there call. Was no call. Just but, but I'm going to show you what happened because you know I was young and I memorized everything. Mm. I mean, I had the address of my sister because my sister said I live in Hove. Right. It, which is next to Brighton. Right. I know her. And she said, 20, 23rd Avenue, something like that, in Hove. 26th or 23rd Avenue, but anyway, right. I forgot. Uh-huh. It. But I, I could memorize that. So when the British Army officers asked me, where will you go? So I said, my, I've got a sister there, but I've got no address, no telephone number. But I told them, I said, look, if you give me the money and you explain to me how to take the train from Bryce Norton, you know, and the underground to go to Victoria Station, Victoria Station to go to Brighton. I said, please give me the money. I will get there. I promise you, I will not get lost. And I was very uh, uh, positive about it, you know. So they gave me some money. Then they gave me a phone number. They said, okay, if you get lost, please let us know. You know, I took a, I took a tube. I arrived at the uh, Victoria Station. Well, different tubes, you know, mm-hmm. Victoria Station. From Victoria Station, I took a train. I arrived in Brighton. When I arrived in Brighton, I asked a police officer, do you know this number, the, the, the street, the, the, where the house is situated? The police said, but it's only about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from here. But he said, you cannot get there because you don't know. So why don't you take a taxi? It won't cost you a lot of money, very cheap. So I took a taxi and I got there. But it was 11.30 to 12 in the middle of the night. And I rang the doorbell because my sister was living on, a, in, 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 I think, on the seventh story. It was a small bed sitter. I rang the doorbell and the landlady came out. And she said, what are you doing here? I said, my name is Fabien Joubert. I'm the brother of Mary. Mary, my sister, stays here. She says, get out. Flavien Joubert is dead. Flavien Joubert is dead in Cyprus. Get out. I'm going to call the police. So fortunately... Fortunately, when I, uh, when, I, when I got out of the taxi, when I paid the taxi, I realized I had some money left. I, I, would, I, I mean, I can still remember. Just not very far from my sister's house, there was a little hotel which was called, I think oh it was called Dudley Hotel, something okay. like that, not very really far. In a room, bed and breakfast at that time, it was £5.50. <laughs> <laughs> So I checked. Yeah, I had about seven to eight pounds with me. So I told the lady, I said, please just tell my sister that I'll be there tomorrow. I can't believe she wouldn't let you up. No, he no. Would just... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and what happened? I left. I went to the hotel. When they looked at me, they said, it looks as if you come from a war zone because my clothes. And, and I looked at them and I said, it's okay. So I went to the, to, 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 to the room, I had a shower, I ordered a sandwich, and I slept. 
And the next morning I woke up at 6, uh, 6 a.m. I just walked up. You know, I was outside and I could hear the scream. My sister was screaming at the, at the, at the landlady and she was crying because she was working at Max and Spencer at that time in Brighton. Mm -hmm. So she didn't go to work. So she was waiting for me. So I arrived and she looked at me, you know. So now, yeah, now they start contacting, uh, they started contacting the Seychelles, uh -huh. you know, and uh, the British government organized for me to go to, 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 to college, you know, and uh, I completed my studies and uh, I, I came back to the Seychelles and I went back again, you know, and uh, yeah. That is such an incredible story. <laughs> That's amazing that yeah. your parents just... When they yeah. must have heard. Sorry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm a little yeah, emotional. Yeah, no, 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 because no, 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 yeah, I am just no, that way. No, that uh, yeah. What an amazing story. What a yeah. way to have, even before yeah. you were 20, practically, yeah, yeah, yeah. to have lived a full yeah. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you wanted to, you, did you want to spend any time at hotels or in, in London or work in London? No, no. What happened uh, when, when I uh, completed my studies uh -huh. uh, at, uh, at the Brighton right. uh, College, I went to work at the, at the, uh, Red Hill Hotel uh -huh. uh, in uh, in Richmond, the Red Hill Hotel uh -huh. is near, near near the park, right, right. near Richmond Park, at the Red Hill Hotel, and uh, I worked uh, in in a, in a hotel called the Dudley Hotel. That, that Dudley Hotel was Trust Houses Fortis at that right. time. Uh -huh. I don't know yeah, what yeah, it is yeah. now. Trust House Fortis. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. And then I worked in a small hotel uh, in in uh, in uh, before you reach Crawley. There's a, a Hawley. Crawley, between between Brighton and London, there's a. There, I worked in a small hotel there for, mm -hmm. for a short while, but then I, I did a lot of uh, part time work because I had three part time work part time jobs when I was in college in Brighton. Uh, I used to wake up in the morning. I used to go and wash plates and you know whatever mm -hmm. needed to be done uh, in different hotels you know along the Brighton Pier, right. and then in the evening I used to sell petrol in a petrol station you know. And then after that, uh, between uh, 10 o'clock, uh, I used to go to work uh, in different bars, different discotheques, and just wash uh, as a glass washer. Mm -hmm. So I was earning three, uh, you can say pocket, three times of pocket money. And, I, could, and I, I used to send money home for my parents. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I went to university and I yeah. think, oh, it was so difficult. I had to study. Yeah. You know, I didn't work. Yeah. I didn't do anything yeah. except study. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And yeah. you know, you realize that yeah. the human humans can really yeah. do, do many, many things at the oh, same course. time yeah. And, yeah. and be very, very successful. Yeah. I, I praise you on, yeah. on all Thank of that. You. It yeah. was fantastic. Because I used to sleep about five hours. Uh -huh. And that was enough, you know. Uh -huh. And what was very good as well, each hotel that I worked uh, in uh, in the morning actually because I was a, a plate washer I used mm -hmm. to wash plates and, and casseroles and, and, and mm -hmm. pots and everything most of the time the chefs and the sous chef liked me I had a huge afro at that time I think if you look <laughs> at the internet I think I still have you know uh -huh. I had a few a huge afro and my hair was reddish reddish afro uh -huh. and at that time uh, there was this uh, film about Bruce Lee and Jim Kelly they used to call me Jim Kelly oh my god you know, uh -huh. and that was very good because I used to do karate. You know, I used to do karate. I was in a karate club in in in, uh, in Brighton. You know, and I did karate for. Because it was late five, 70s. It was that yeah, time. Yeah, 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 late seventies. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the chefs used to like me. So what they used to do, they used to say, "Okay, Flav," they used to call me Flav or Jim Kelly. They said, "Look, when you finish before you go to school, make as much sandwiches as you can to take uh, with you to the school, and then for you to have it for breakfast." You know, so. Uh, one day, there was a chef from uh, Switzerland. 
And he liked me very much. He said, look, why don't you make a lot of sandwiches and sell it to your, to your friends? And then you get some pocket money. So you get some pocket money from us. And then I said, chef, can I do that? He said, yeah, I will give you a pepper. So when you go out, you give it to the security officer to say that this is your sandwiches. You know? uh-huh. So every day I used to make about 10, 12 sandwiches. And I used to take orders from my friends at the school. I used to deliver. But that was very good. But I had a wonderful life in, in, in England, you know. I mean, the only reason I came uh, was because okay, my parents, you know, they, 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 they you know, they, they wanted to, to, to see me. Because I had never, you know, I never returned to Seychelles during the time that I was away. <laughs> so, I mean, I could not afford it as well, you know. So, but and my I guess sister. You, when you came back, it was right at the boom when Seychelles that's was right. becoming a tourist it, 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 destination. Yeah, that's right, oh, yeah. That's nice. but, but, uh-huh. but, but what happened, I started work uh, in the Seychelles, but I didn't stay. And I left Seychelles, you know, because, you know, once you've lived abroad, you, you, when you return, when you are young, you find Seychelles a bit too small. So I was a little bit confined. Mm-hmm. So I went to work uh, in Singapore. I was okay. a teacher in Singapore. I went to work in Malawi. I went to oh work in, 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 in Kenya. With Dr. Panda. The, you were, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah. there during that time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I went to work in, in Singapore, I went to work in, in Malawi, I went to work in Kenya, I went to work in Mauritius. Then I got another scholarship uh, for me to do my higher uh, level uh, degrees uh, in Germany. So I spent uh, about three years in Germany. Uh, I started in Kiel, no, no, I started in, uh, in Saarbrücken next to the French border. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Frankfurt, then Frankfurt I moved to Kiel, which is uh, in the north, not very far from Denmark. Then from there I moved to Cologne, and and then I stayed in Cologne until uh-huh. I was until I was uh, you know I graduated. Then I came back uh, mm-hmm. to the Seychelles, and uh, I uh, when I came back actually I started uh, as uh, an assistant director of the French Hotel School, and then I was promoted to director. And then I stayed like I said for a while, and then uh, they wanted to make some changes uh, and. Uh, for me, it was not in my, to my likings. So I decided to go into business. Mm-hmm. Well, not to go into business, to work uh, in a private business. There was a, a company, actually, it was a family. They had a lot of money. They came to the Seychelles. They wanted to build two uh, luxury hotels. And they were looking for a partner, like a consultant. So a friend of mine actually uh, was contacted. He's an architect. So he contacted me. And then I met the owners. So I went to Prale and we started together. I mean, when we started the project, there was no house, there was nothing. So there was a very big, like a big hangar. And the owners, the families, even myself, we all sit together. So we actually built the business together, lived together, know each other. And the business, I stayed there for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. And the business is very successful, very, very successful. Then the government actually uh, called me and said, look, can you come and help us? Mm-hmm. So I said, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll. I mean, it's a big sacrifice from being a general manager, you know, in, in, in terms of salary-wise. Right. So I, yes, made a, I, made a, I made a huge sacrifice. I mean, I, I took a, a very big salary cut from, mm-hmm. you know, but I wanted to help. You know, I wanted to, 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 to uh, motivate the youngsters of the Seychelles to see, look, in life, there's a lot. You know, and uh, you down today, you will be up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You you down tomorrow, you'll be again. You'll be up. 
Well, your story is so inspirational. I mean, they must look up to all the students, you know. I well, think, they, they appreciate what I try to do. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going to tell you about the cocktail book. Uh, yes, well, yes, <laughs> let's. Um, because, you know, it, it's funny. When I Googled Seychelles cocktails, I wasn't expecting to see a whole book on Seychelles cocktails. I thought there'd be, you know, obviously Raffles has their Raffles Pauline and they're famous for their Singapore sling, so they have one. So I thought, okay, there's that. But a whole book, and from someone who is a general manager of a hotel. So tell me, how how did you mix the the you know being the head of the hotel right, with yeah. cocktails? Did you always have a love of cocktails? Did you feel pride about you know Seychelles cocktails themselves? So you know, talk, talk me through the journey. <laughs> okay, what happened is you know on Prale because Prale is very small mm-hmm. as well. Now being a general manager on Prale. Once the business is settled, because the boom, the business is booming on Prale. Right. You as a GM, what do you have to do? Not much. Because you have all, all your departmental managers. Mm-hmm. So you wake up in the morning, you have your meetings, your, your briefings. Mm-hmm. And then what? You meet some of your guests. And then in the afternoon, because, because you have a food and beverage manager who checks the restaurant and everything. You have the front of the manager. You have the housekeeper. You have the maintenance engineer. Mm-hmm. You have everybody. I mean, you need to take care of the finances and to ensure that everything is fine. So after I had been uh, uh, working on Prowling for about five years, I said, look, I must put some of my experience uh, into practice. So the first thing, I, I wrote a cookery book. It came out in 2000. It was written in France. But I don't have a copy. It, it's called Exotic Seafood Recipes from the Seychelles. Is this... Now, you're... Were you always a cook? Did you love to cook? Well, well I had or, to do... Well, well, or is this part of your schooling? Part, you just, part I, of my schooling. Uh-huh. Yeah, part of my schooling and part, and, part of my, and part of my job. Because, you know, because what happened is when, when you are studying to become a manager, you have to do housekeeping, you have to do a, a kitchen pastry, mm-hmm. a restaurant and bar, uh, you have to do sommelerie, yeah, you have to do everything. So it's all part, you know. So what happened? I wrote the cookery book, it was printed, and then it was sold. I think I, I even... I don't even have a copy here, you know. So, but anyway, it's there. Uh-huh. But I think if you if I'll, you if Google you Google, I think yeah. it is exotic seafood recipes okay. from the Seychelles, you know. Right. Or if, if you Google if you Google Flavien Joubert, I think you will, you know. But anyway, so that was that. And then, in in Seychelles, uh, during the southeast monsoon, during the southeast monsoon, mm-hmm. it rains a lot, and there's a lot of wind as well. And on Poilin, because our hotel, our hotels are near the sea. So when it rains, this is when I have the hardest time with my clients. Because, I mean, apart from television, apart from snooker, these kind of things, a massage, you know, wellness and smart, there's not much for you to do. Because I know, I've lived it for two days. Exactly. I saw it, Raffles. You see? Uh-huh. So one day, I told the duty manager, I said, look, I said, I'm going to organize... Uh, a cocktail competition guest among guests mm-hmm. so uh, we, we used to have our a co- management cocktail party every Monday mm-hmm. and every Monday I would say welcome to the new guest uh, thank you for the uh, the ones who, who was, were been there uh, when we had the last one and uh, try to explain to them what we're going to do this week because every night we had a theme Chinese, Indian and other so I announced that I was going to organize this cocktail. And I said, look, the, the, the judges will be the guests themselves. So we started with about 12 guests, you know. And to start with, it was a mess. <laughs> there was no criteria. It was a mess. 
So, but, but anyway, we, we, we started it, but then we found that it was excellent. So then I told the guest, I said, I am going to take part as a GM as well. Whoever, uh, I mean, if, for example, a guest cocktail is better than mine, then you will, uh, I will give you two cocktails every day. One for you and one for your partner, uh -huh. for, or, you know. So I, I had to be competitive. So this is when I actually started mixing non-alcoholic cocktails, alcoholic cocktails, and then taking part in the competition, but writing my own, you know. And then I realized, well, apart from taking part in the competition, why don't I write uh, a cocktail book, try the cocktails on my guest? <laughs> so, and how was it? <laughs> I mean, for example, for you to get one cocktail right, uh -huh. you know, you need to try it at least four or five or even six times because not all the palettes are the same, you know. So I started with the non-alcoholic cocktails first, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, there's a trend now, non-alcoholic cocktails, you know. So every night I was on the bar. And uh, from six thirty, must have loved it. Oh, they, must have they used loved to it. take photographs and uh -huh. everything. You know, uh, the GM in a tie on the bar. I used to call it the GM's night. So between six thirty and seven thirty, one hour free cocktails, but cocktails made by the GM himself, and and you taste it. And we start. Oh, it was you know. Uh, then the trend became like a must do because even there was no rain, the guests expected. <laughs> That the GM, right. <laughs> you see, so I continued and continued and continued, uh -huh. and then I, I think I've got about uh, 100 and something uh, cocktails. Then I said, then I must do something. So I got somebody to help me uh, with a photograph, with, 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 a, with, mm. with a camera. The person came and uh, he, charges, he, he charged me a lot of money and the, cocktail, and the, and the, the photographs are not very good. So what I did, I bought an expensive photograph, and I took my photograph myself. So you, you would see that some of the photographs, they, they came out, you know, and I, I So you did know. you find that you had a favorite cocktail that you used to make that would win all the time, so you just kept making that? Uh, no, actually what happened, the more I made, the more I made, the more interest, uh, interested I became, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, for the non-alcoholic cocktails, actually I've got about 70, but I, I think in there there's only about 32. Mm -hmm. The non-alcoholic cocktails were very popular as well, you know, so I cannot say I've got a favorite because I like all of them. <laughs> so just to show you the, the, the photographs, you know, like I said, you know, I took them myself, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I made the cocktails and I took the photographs. So all these were made on Prale. Mm -hmm. The cocktails written on Prale, tried on my guest in my hotel on Prale, photographs also taken on Prale. And now in those hotels, do right. they still have the... GM, the Flamien Joubert cocktails <laughs> list? Uh, well, a lot of hotels uh, bought my cocktail book uh -huh. for the bars. Uh, I think uh, they are using some of the, uh, you know... I hope they give you credit for it. This one is, <laughs> <laughs> was created. Was this when you were at the Coco de Mer or the Black Pearl? That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, at the Black Pearl, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. When I was at the Black Pearl, Black Marot, yeah. Right. Black Pearl uh -huh. Hotel, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, and, I just uh, love it. I love this mm -hmm. idea. And did you try and use the local rum or the logo? You're just yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. But, but what I did, I did uh, not put a brand because I didn't want to, right. you know, to favor any brand. Right, of course. You know? uh, uh, because uh, I did not ask for sponsorship as well from, 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 this, from Cebu or the others. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what happened is a good friend of mine, he owns uh, ISPs. Ryla is, is uh, 
Riley's in London. The lady is here. Her name is Georgina. Oh, right. Sure. If, if you if you Google okay. Ryla, uh-huh. you can meet her in London. But the the the, the person who actually sponsored me, he is. Uh, ISC. It's ISPC. ISPC. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's right there in the uh, underneath. There. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a, it's a Belgium it's a Belgium company. They own they own actually uh, a very big supermarket. Uh, supplying hotel, hotel, uh, sorry, food to hotel, food stuff to hotel. And the gentleman is a very good friend of mine. When he saw the idea, he loved the idea. And uh, he said, I want to sponsor. I think it's a fantastic idea. So, I think every hotel's GM should do this. Yeah. Because it, what a way to greet guests. Exactly, that's and, right, yeah. You know, to really, and everyone loves the cocktail. And that's why yeah, they yeah. come to the Seychelles. It's yeah, kind of, yeah, you're going to yeah. have the fruity cocktails. Exactly, yeah, that, yeah. You know, yeah. um, uh, it's it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's it's all exotic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your parents now um, must have. Made Unfortunately, they, they they both dead now. But yeah, when yeah. then you when know, yeah, yeah. They, to see you grow yeah, from this yeah. 15 year old that yeah, they thought yeah. didn't do very well. Exactly. School, yeah, yeah. To yeah, have become. Yeah. yeah. But this um, is why sometimes when I speak to my so students, successful. you know, mm-hmm. I tell them all the time, I say, no matter what or who your parents are, please listen to them. You know, listen to them because I, I can hear them all the time, you know, in everything I do. Even sometimes, you know, when I have some problems, I have some trouble, I can hear my dad saying, because when I came back, he was so proud, you know, uh, whenever I have a problem or if I'm in a meeting or if I've got a disagreement with some of the, uh, I mean, you know, with, with some of the ministers or some people in high authority, you know, my dad used to say, you just take a step back and breathe and continue make as if nothing happens this is what i do mm-hmm. uh, this is what i do mm-hmm. and of course i pray a lot you know i'm uh, it's not that i'm a fervent christian that i go to church all the time but uh when i was very young before i went to cyprus i wanted to be a priest so i spent a lot of time uh in the church uh, cleaning the church and uh, I, used, I spent a lot of time as an altar boy as well, altar boy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, it's not that I am, but I uh, I care very much about uh, the principles, you know. And I pray a lot, you know. And uh, this also, I think, helps me. You know? Well, everything, everything. Yeah, for, has, yeah, 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 um... yeah, yeah. And every day before I come to school, you won't believe that I wake up at five five a.m. in the morning. And every day before I, I come to school. I will, I, will, I will read a verse in the Bible. It's not a question of me taking the Bible and looking. I will just open the Bible. I've got a huge Bible like that. Just open and, and, and see what I, how I feel. And I just read a verse and then ask uh, for the strength for me to get through the day, you know. And this is what I do. <laughs> It was wonderful to have Flavian on the show, and I'm extremely grateful to him for sharing his incredible story with us. Flavian makes reference to the war in Cyprus. If you wish to know more, please go to the Best Sips post this week on bestbitsworldwide.com and click the link at the bottom. Next week, we return to London and meet Sam Mitchell, who helms up Gilray's at London's County Hall Hotel. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. 
Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar. Bye.